In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you Who shut is up, man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your three funniest friends. Which is Which us. Is us. Which is us, Caitlin. We have many of us probably got Barack Obama's book on Tuesday from our pre-order. I admitted guiltily on the podcast that I spent forty-five dollars on the Amazon version, but I have already ordered a different one, a backup from an indie bookstore. You started reading it much earlier because you actually reviewed it for the Boston Globe, so you have completed all seven hundred pages of A Promised Land. I have. It was very exciting uh, and uh, not a little bit grueling because he'll tell you himself the former president is quite verbose. (laughs) (laughs) All those professorial instincts just coming right back. Uh, He doesn't want you to have anything without context, but uh, there's definitely some incredibly fun moments in there. Um, And... uh, it's late in the book, but when he starts talking about climate change, there's this whole scene where he just like like just uh, dr- uh, crashes a meeting that's trying like China's trying to have without him. And it's just the <laughs> most hilarious thing that and like initially this Chinese security is like we got to stop people from coming into this. Oh, it's the president! And like, they even, like stop and like hesitate because they can't do anything to stop yeah. the president of the United States from walking wherever he wants. So just like there's just like this beautiful little cinematic it. scene. And that, and when he wins the Nobel Peace Prize, there's like this beautiful moment. You're like, you know that he's trying to set that up. So there could be a cinematic moment, you know, where he's like, when they make the movie of his, of his presidency. And and then you're like, oh my gosh, he's out on the balcony. And there are all these people with the candles out. And you're like, oh. He has the adaptation in mind already. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's ready for the adaptation. My review is more analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to be fair and nuanced, mm-hmm. uh, but you can read it at the Boston Globe. Yeah. Well, as I was reading it, I, as, cause I know you, I would think the, that oh, Barack Obama seems to have even still a more optimistic view of overcoming political divides than you do. Would that be correct? I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I thought that's why the review was so fascinating to see the areas of that that worked for you and that you found compelling. I, I, it was very interesting to read knowing you. Aw, thanks. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely, like, <laughs> where uh, the entire thing that we're going to discuss today is, like, how much on fire the country is. <laughs> and, like, while you're reading the book, yeah. you're just kind of like, wait, but 
do you know that we're currently on fire? Mm-hmm. Because he just goes back to the last time we were on fire <laughs> and how we put them all out. And he's like, remember how bad that was? And we're like, yes, we, now I do because it's so bad now. It is very bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember what bad stuff feels like, but uh... <laughs> one could argue it's, it's all bad. the same fire. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, and then it's like, but then it came, it, it got like, yeah. it was like frying pan to fire. And you're like, <laughs> in the middle there, there was a brief time when we were on the counter. And yes. it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Brock and I was like, remember when you were on the counter? And we're like, yes, yes, we do. We, but does that matter? We're in fire now. Um, yes. So so it's a little bit tough. But yeah, but I think uh, he's always hopeful. You know, that's like the nature of who he is. He wouldn't have gotten elected if he hadn't believed that the country was the be- a better version of itself. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Considering how many people voted for Trump, if you can believe that anymore, but you know, you know, he's allowed to believe whatever he wants. He's the first yes. black man to be elected president of the United States. So I'm just here from the cheap seats, but yeah. <laughs> I'm also here in the cheap seats. So yeah. Right. You know. There's a good view from the cheap seats. There's a good view. I think it's really funny that in 2020 a presidential memoir is considered escapism. <laughs> okay, real. so <laughs> Let's check in on the United States. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Imagine like international podcasts and like, here's U.S. corner <laughs> presently on the fuck fire. So yesterday, the United States officially passed a quarter million COVID-19 deaths. We continue to shatter new records in infection and hospitalization rates. No state in America could currently clear the threshold right now that would safely allow indoor gatherings. I was using a tool this morning that let you see basically your chances of coming into contact with someone who has COVID on Thanksgiving with groups of various sizes and various parts of the country. And if you're at a big gathering in the Midwest, basically it was like you're 100% certain to encounter somebody who has COVID. Um, The CDC today, actually, a few minutes ago, advised Americans not to travel for the Thanksgiving holiday. That's new from the CDC, but shouldn't be new news to anyone. And better news, the FDA has approved the first COVID-19 diagnostic test for self-testing at home that does provide rapid results, and it's hopefully going to be under $50. The vaccines are on track to be distributed to at-risk and frontline workers by the end of the year. And, you know, we've been hearing the end of the year all year, and it seemed far away, but there are only 43 days left in 2020. Oh my God. I know it feels good, but like the end of every year, we're like, oh yeah, fuck this 12, fuck 2019, fuck 2018. It just gets worse. So I feel like kind of a sucker being like, good riddance. Yeah. Look, 2021 doesn't even feel like a real year yet. Does anyone, has anyone even like thought about, like, I have not even. Nobody's made plans. I mean, I I guess at least has a plan. At least you've made wedding plans. Yes, for August. So we're hopeful, but. um, Sounds like it. (laughs) <laughs> we, oh, we're not hopeful we don't we're, think we're gonna make it to that but hey yeah. we are simultaneously basically planning two weddings one that is if we're allowed to have one and one that's if it's like 20 people in our venue that's yeah <laughs> which is very funny because like I mean it's been a very interesting process trying to plan a wedding during this but the the long and the short of it is you have to just plan two weddings Mm-hmm. And <laughs> no, I mean three. Didn't you already have one planned that you had to? No, okay, that's good. My date was always for August twenty, uh, August of twenty twenty one. So um, we were lucky in that regard. But like, it's basically like you have to just be aware that like 
yeah, this is what we want to do ideally, but maybe it's not going to happen like that. And here's what we want to have happen in the case of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a fun pastime. I mean, what else are we doing? <laughs> Why not plan three weddings <laughs> just in case one, and we'll see which one we get yeah. to have. <laughs> yeah. Just the side hustles. Elise is planning three weddings. Caitlin's reading 700 book word, 700 page books in a day. <laughs> We're all doing great. <laughs> it's great. I know. It's really, really good. Yes. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Speaking of 2021, so where are we at with the transition of power over two weeks after Election Day? So Joe Biden has so far treated the Trump administration's failure to participate in any way in this transition as an inconvenience he could overcome. I think this was mainly to keep people calm, to say, look, I know people, I can, I have people I can talk to. We are confident we can hit the ground running with or without them. Now he's really ratcheting up the pressure on the General Services Administration specifically, which has to ascertain the results so that the transfer of information and classified intelligence can begin. So he invoked the COVID-19 crisis, saying that this administration is obviously just holding up Biden's ability to prepare for his role as commander in chief during what he described as a wartime crisis. The chief administrator at the General Services Administration, her name's Emily Murphy. 
She has so far refused to ascertain the results. However, she did send an email around to some of her acquaintances looking for 2021 opportunities. So she knows that it's going out of business. But I mean, I wonder if the pandemic has been getting worse and worse every day. It's been quite bad for a while. But yesterday, 1,900 Americans died. So it really is a matter. It's it's not. It doesn't seem dramatic to say that every extra hour this is held up, that the Biden team has to figure out a way around getting this information and has no access to what the executive branch is doing or plans to do to combat this. It seems like it will cost lives. 2,000 people are dying yeah. a day. Well, it's I mean, it's completely outrageous what's happening. And it's like equally outrageous that Republicans in our government who understand this won't stand up or say anything. I mean, it's not that I'm surprised that they won't do that, but it's just it is outrageous because they know the toll that this takes on like our ability to have a smooth transition of power. It's very likely that the vaccine will come out and start being distributed under Trump. And then that distribution will continue under Biden. So mm -hmm. for them not to be coordinating on that level is horrible. Um, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just completely, uh, it's a complete mess. Oh, and the other thing I was going to say is there have been many theories for a long time. And there a thing that people have said is that, Part of the reason that 9-11 happened is because there was not a smooth mm -hmm. transition between Bush and Clinton because there was like a, a month that was lost where basically no transition was happening because we were going through the Bush v. Gore stuff that that contributed to us not looking at the intelligence properly pre 9-11. So it's like it's really that serious. It's crazy. And not to, we would never, I mean, the number of people that died on 9-11, which is some, a tragedy that we think about all the time yeah. and remember, of course, like with such a mourning, a quarter of a million people are dead. Yes. Yeah. That's happening every day now. Yes. Basically. Yeah. So yeah, we're basically having a, na this is a national tragedy. Um, and I think like, it's so striking because, because the Trump administration has never made this a shared responsibility. Um, a shared grief, like none of that has been happening. So for a lot of people, if you don't specifically know someone who's had COVID and, you know, you are living in a, a, an almost a bubble of isolation as we all try to do the right thing, many of us anyway, um, try to do the right thing by staying home and staying in bubbles of people who we know are getting regularly tested or you know, are, are being responsible and wearing masks and everything. And then to have people who, who are planning parties and, and Thanksgivings right now is kind of wild. Like we, we should all be aware of how much destruction just human interaction is causing right now. And yes. yet that's not being telegraphed from uh, up top. And because there's no shared responsibility, you're having governors very specifically, North Dakota's, um, you know, uh, death rate is somewhere, it's like the highest in the developed world, I think. And like just North Dakota by itself on the per capita. And it's like, that's Christy Nome who's saying, hey, you, we, we don't care about masking. We don't care about that stuff. It's like, you are literally killing your own constituents. And the fact that the Republican Party I mean, like it should, it's already alarming that we've been through going through this so long that Donald Trump has already threatened not to send 
a vaccine to states that did not vote for him, yep. which again is just so it's so kind of wild. There, I'm just like, I'm not surprised, but I am appalled. <laughs> I know he said he's not going to send it to New York, which like. I mean, of course, I've already thought that a million times where I'm like, oh, my God, this fucking guy's not going to send the vaccine to New York. Right. But it's crazy to hear him say it. And it also makes me laugh thinking about all of the reports about how Jared and Ivanka are like really stressed out about not being able to come back to Manhattan. And it's like, well, maybe yeah, talk I was just to your dad that. about how he literally said, like, we're not going to send the vaccine. <laughs> That's their concern. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. want to toss that out. Like, people are uh, about uh, a 9 11 is happening per day, and we're they worried don't. about mm-hmm. whether or not they'll be welcome back into their social circle. They're going to come are back. They're going to come back, and they're going to, the only place you're going to be able to get a COVID vaccine in New York is the, is the Jared and Ivanka Center for Clinic for Infectious Diseases. <laughs> and it's going to be like on Fifth Ave somewhere. They're and you just get hope to for go. the best. They're I'm not no. gonna get to go to the Met Gala anymore. Hell no. And that's that's basically what they're thinking about. I'm sure they were close, and then the fart story came out, and then it was like, well, Anna Wintour was like, forget about it. That was that was <laughs> that was the straw. Um, so let's talk about how they are still trying to stretch out this election and stay in power, which I can't believe we're still talking about. And I sort of feel like I feel like the reaction to this goes up and down. At first, it's like, everybody turn the temperature down. It's fine. And then they keep doing that. It's like, oh, shit, this is all right. They're going for they're trying that, too. And then they fail at that. And it's hard to interpret these moves and how worrisome they are. But it, it is just worrisome how committed they are to this and how they are getting through to individuals. So in Michigan, two Republican Wayne County Board of Canvassers, they are currently trying to rescind their vote to certify a heavily black county's election results. I think we talked about this. I might've been every day on the podcast this week. Uh, It's changed every day, but basically they said they were going to hold it up. Then they voters were very angry. There was, again, there's been no credible evidence of fraud anywhere. Uh, So there's no reason not to vote to certify these results. The reason you want to certify the results, obviously, because to certify them, and that clears the way for electors to make their choices. According to the Associated Press, Trump called both members when they had originally uh, refused to certify to thank them. Um, The two seem to be backtracking again. Today, they said we rescind the certification, but that is essentially meaningless. A uh, Michigan election official said there's no legal path for them to rescind their vote. Like it's kind yeah, of I'm done. Like, can you, you no, can't it's, rescind. It's <laughs> like if you wanted to rescind, like, oh, I voted for I voted for Trump, but I see Biden won, so I want to be on the winning team. No, I these mean, people are terrible people. They've uh, they've posted racist memes on Facebook. They're Trump supporters. They were thrilled to hear from him. They would love to be the people that that stole the election for Donald Trump. That wouldn't bother them is my sense. Well, luckily they're not very bright because you can't rescind the vote. That's not how anything works. So. Yeah. And in Wisconsin, the Trump campaign paid $3 million this week for recounts in just two counties. Um, A recount of the entire state in 2016, it changed the margin of victory by just 131 votes, uh, giving Trump a little bit more of an edge over Hillary Clinton. Biden leads in Wisconsin by 20,000 votes. So these are not small margins, but he's still pushing for them because, like I said, it seems like they shift their strategy all the time and they're not going to stop trying to do this until December 14th when electoral votes are cast. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's pathetic. It's so sad. It's literally like everyone's just (laughs) everyone's just 
catering to his like emotional breakdown and process and our whole government has to go along with this childish behavior because he's removed everyone around him who would even attempt to stop it and the republican party doesn't see it in their interest to stop it i guess i don't think and i think that honestly i think that they see it as um helping them win georgia for there to be questions about how the election was run and for people to be all riled up on their side yeah so yeah i think i think it works on uh multiple levels right one is to you know, keep the base extremely fired up. Uh, another is to stoke this kind of, they've been doing this for a really long time. Uh, remember that Sarah Palin said like real America. Remember that there have been insulting cities, talking about San Francisco values, New York values, um, attacking people who didn't agree with the Iraq war as unpatriotic. So this has been going on for a really long time, but there's an existential mm -hmm. fight that our culture war is between people who believe in pluralistic society yeah. and people who believe in white supremacist society. Sorry, I, I know I've drum, you know, banged this drum a lot, but like, no. you know, these are, these are two opposing views of what the country is. And Republicans are very happy with the idea that people believe that votes from black people do not count. They're not real votes. They're not legally yeah. cast. They are not legitimate votes, you know, uh, Last time, uh, you know, in 2016, Trump has maintained a fiction for years that there were three million illegally cast votes that made up the margin of the popular vote. Right. And so he actually won the popular vote as well. And, you know, there wasn't enough pushback against that either. Not from within the party and definitely not from outside of it because people weren't even trying to defend you know, Hillary Clinton's campaign. Now we see another massive popular vote win. We see it on the backs of Black, Latino, Native voters. And they're just going to say, those people are not real. Mm -hmm. And you should not take their participation in government seriously. And these are people who feel very comfortable with... I, the thing that worries me, the feeding isn't just for Georgia or making Biden illegitimate, which kneecaps his power but the reality that like they're going to, it could get to a place where they visit violence upon those communities that they think are not legitimate political actors. And like that, the, the stoking, the constant stoking, you know, um, stochastic terrorism is something that's happened more frequently since Trump took power. And as he loses his grip on it, is there going to be a desire to try to intervene again? and get people to do things, unspeakable things, to harm communities that they see as their opposition. So, mm -hmm. like, yes, from a political standpoint, I agree on all of those things, but I think that, you know, I just don't have any positive read of the motives of, uh, like, national Republicans anymore, mm -hmm. where I'm like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know you are telling people who have guns that, you know, it's okay to attack communities that you don't see as legitimate. Yeah, what's I mean, what states are we talking about? We're talking about Michigan and Wisconsin, where we saw really aggressive behavior from people in Michigan in reaction to COVID restrictions and during the protests. And we yes. saw some really aggressive reactions to protesters in Kenosha. And these are the areas where I think the blue wall, we built it back and they can't handle it. 
do you think I keep asking myself, like, is Trump doing this because he he absolutely wants to still be president on January 20th? I know he does. Or is all of this just in the interest of like building up his brand as this aggrieved person who should have had a second term and then just living off of that for the rest of his life? Is like is I'm going to no less dose. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that he I don't think that his emotions are that clear. Like, he's, like <laughs> he's not good I, at expressing his emotions. I think that what we're dealing with is a mixture because I don't think that he enjoys being president. But no, I he hasn't done anything wants, for 12 days. He wants to be president in the sense that he doesn't want to lose anything and he can't admit that he's lost anything and his feelings are hurt and, um, and everyone's being mean to him. Like, I think that we're just, we're really dealing with, um, a highly volatile and emotional man (laughs) who, um, I don't know. Like, I think some days he wants to be president. Some days he's probably just trying to figure out what to do next. Other days, (laughs) He's just sad and his feelings are hurt. Yeah. So (laughs) we mentioned how much of this is to animate the Republican base for the Georgia runoff. I want to talk to you both about the Georgia runoff uh, a little bit more like strategically, because we've mentioned this races a lot and how important they are every day on our podcast. I've seen so much energy and awareness and enthusiasm. People know what's at stake. They want to help. Um, but I've also seen sort of a sense that, you know, this is a continuation of the cycle. The election isn't over. We still have work to do. Um, we have this, you know, the chance to run the same race and just win it this time. But I am wondering, like, how does Trump's loss factor into the strategy? Is this like we keep going election 2020? It's not over. Or is this a what is the winning narrative is my question. Should Democrats frame this as a vote against Trump and Trumpism? Or should we pivot to a more positive question? And secondly, which party do we think benefits more from Trump not being on the ballot? Do Democrats benefit? Do Are Democrats hurt because they can't say to people, you can come and vote at Trump? Or do Republicans hurt because their base isn't as motivated? What do you think, Caitlin? Woo. Um, <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of issues with the down ballot, right? Which is, is something that happened. You know, Biden very successfully made a case against Trump. But we did see that it did not carry down ballot. So there is some treacherous territory for Democrats there um, in trying to like necessarily run against Trump because there wasn't a very thorough pairing of Trump with Republicans. Don't ask me how that (laughs) did not happen, but whatever. Um, Trump and Republicans um, during the campaign. It was very clearly Trump is an aberration. Trump is the bad guy. So now that he's lost, I don't know, you know, is there still that kind of energy from Georgia Democrats to to tackle and organize? I think so. I think that they are very aware of the stakes of the election. Um, And I think that's kind of where you kind of have to go. Right. You should be sketching out what are the stakes? Who is like this is about power and Trump abused power. And maybe that should be the, from my perspective, if I were running the messaging, it would be 
these are abuses. These are abuses against people. This is abuses against our system. These are abuses that people are dying from. This is Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue both involved in insider trading that during the pandemic to explicitly profit off of information that should have been given to their constituents to help protect them. I have a friend who's in South Korea right now, and she's like able to go outside and go do things and go to dinner. And they have an advanced contact tracing and they send you alerts whenever someone in your area at all has been infected with coronavirus. And if you're uh, someone who was in that place at that time, because they tell you exactly when and where it happened in a little alert, you click it and then you take it to a, a health center nearby and they cover everything for you because you actually paid attention to your alert. So nothing, you don't have to worry about anything at that point. They That's will just insane. cover all the needs that you have for wow. coronavirus, your testing, anything that needs to go on. And, and here we are in the United States, completely capable of having this technology, completely capable of doing it. But these two senators decided that what they would do instead is make an end run to short everything that would possibly get destroyed by the virus. And then on the other side, profit off of everyone who was going to be selling things <laughs> that would be positive for the that would cover like the virus re reaction mm -hmm. like that's a problem that's systemic and that Democrats should lean into whether or not they do, I don't know. I mean, they're Democrats, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> truly couldn't have said it better. It's it's interesting. Like, I think that there are two different approaches Democrats have to take kind of simultaneously in Georgia. One is to turn out the people who flipped Georgia blue by reminding them, like, if you want Joe Biden to be able to do anything, we kind of need to win these two seats. And then another, I think you move it away from Trump and you talk about, as Caitlin was just saying, like there are two extremely corrupt candidates on their own merits that are mm -hmm. <laughs> running. Like we don't even have, like, I, I think the Democrats often do a lot better when they're like, especially like down ballot Democratic candidates do a lot better when they're like really, really targeted to their loca local area and their district. And so I think it's probably a more resonant message for Raphael Warnock and mm -hmm. John Ossoff to just be like, these two people are corrupt, et cetera. And also for those of you who do like Joe Biden, if you would like him to be able to do anything, right. <laughs> it kind of is, you should probably come out and vote for us. Yeah. I was reading this long sort of postmortem about just what happened down ballot in Florida and in Florida in general. And a lot of the grievances from some of the people on the ground there were that the Biden campaign, frankly, didn't really work with us that much. And there wasn't much of a local focus. They, I guess at one point, like drove like a Colombian style party bus to a Cuban neighborhood and people were like, sir, no, <laughs> like, oh, no, So they think that that was potentially one of the big challenges down ballot there is that they didn't really have they didn't invest in the people on the ground um, who have the local knowledge and know these communities. I mentioned that because I feel like Georgia has spent the last two years doing the opposite and Georgia organizers are hopefully as they clearly were empowered to flip it blue. I don't know if the Biden campaign helped them, but I definitely hope that 
they don't take the same approach in the runoff. I'm sure the Biden campaign will be providing like some resources or guidance, but I do find it encouraging that this is like Fair Fight and Stacey Abrams and New Georgia Project. Like they know they're in those communities. They know the messages that people need to hear, which is like you were saying, Elise, I think that when we focus on the local issues and how having these two people in there, it's, I've been stressing like, oh, don't Georgia voters feel so powerful that they get to make this decision that'll affect the balance of power. But I guess an equally persuasive message is like, yeah, but also it's just better for you and your state if they're out of there. They're doing nothing for you. They're keeping the seat warm. They're doing nothing. They're horrible. They're horrible people. (laughs) They really could just talk about that. And I think there's also room to talk about the the pressure from both of those senators on the Republican Secretary of State to change, to throw out value, like actual legitimate votes cast. Like this is a there's so many things about Trump's corruption that is actually Republican corruption. And for me, the greatest mistake of the 2020 campaign before Election Day was not extending Trump into the Republican Party and expressing how the two have the symbiotic relationship and we need to break that relationship. We need to break Republicans and Trump. They cannot continue to talk and work together. They mm-hmm. are doing it together, these things to you. And so every time you replace a Republican, you're fighting Donald Trump. Yes. These things should have kind of melded together and they didn't. And now we have this opportunity to talk about how completely awful these two people are and point out, yeah, this is the awfulness that Trump creates, but it's also the awfulness that they're going to perpetuate regardless of whether or not he's there. And you have a choice now to say no to the entire concept of government running the way Donald Trump likes Mm -hmm. it and the people who are open to doing it the way he likes it. It's like the bully and his little sidekick. And like, we have to be at this point where it's like, you know what? You guys don't get to be in the same class anymore. Like we're seating you. You guys don't get to have the same lunch hour. We're seating you at opposite sides of the classroom. Like, right. Your friendship is toxic. We're we're separating you both. Yeah. You couldn't (laughs) handle it. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys, that's our show today. Until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And this has been the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.